Don't be a stupid bitch. We are in control now. Ding dong. Hello? Yes, y'all, that's right, Infidel. Hostage trades. And we traded one and got one. The man is back. That's right, here in the war room. As we plot the strategy to light the fuse, AEW Dynamite Review. MSG is ready to bring down the city. Here, Hameen Media Group. Your law. Oh, what's good? What's good, guys? Man, uh, good to be back in the saddle here today. And what a great surprise yesterday, man. Uh, you know, the producer's chat's always humming. And then former producer of the year, MSG, says, hey, man, if you put up the money, these guys are ready to free me. And, uh, and of course, I was going to do it. That's right. I got so many of those sitting around here. You might be one of the few that actually has one. Uh, but man, I held man, on real. three years. I was in a, I was in the depths of hell in that bunker, man. But this, this is, this is what kept what me kept going. You know? Yeah, uh, it was your best friend, man. Yeah, Talk to it. Henry, his name's Henry. You know, so. <laughs> Henry. The oh Henry. man, but great to have you back, MSG. Welcome back to Light the Fuse, buddy. Well, you know, I just missed you guys. I missed uh, the HMG Army. Uh, you know, personally myself, I missed uh, the. I, I got bumped up to an advanced acting class on Wednesday and I haven't got to hang out in the self-help group or talk with AEW for like the last three months. I'm going crazy <laughs> here at what they're doing with this product on this show, but I'm excited to be back. Excited to be back with uh, you, Ben. That's how I like them, pal. Awesome. Hit yeah. you and quit you. Get on out of here. <laughs> That's how we do like it, man. And it's great to have you back. Uh, original co-host here at Light the Fuse. Uh, this show's been going on just over four years. MSG, obviously we just passed uh uh, the AEW anniversary, and uh, th this was a, a good show. I'm glad you're coming back for this one. And in Philly, and uh, you know, JD Love was there, and and he was sending me pictures that the arena was full both sides. So after all of the, you know, showing Floyd photography uh, and whatnot, here they're in Philly, and and TK's an original ECW fan, and it's Philly such a you know hardcore wrestling town and vocal. And he wanted to be that experience. And I think he got that and more and had huge surprises, which I was very critical of WWE for with The Rock. And uh, and maybe Tony will pay the price here, too. I get it. He wanted to pop the crowd and pop uh, Sting by bringing in Ric Flair. But hmm, if you're not over a million <laughs> and you did that and you spent that and you didn't billboard them, I mean, I, I get it what you're trying to do in Philly with surprises and ECW legacy and, and something special for Sting. I understand that. But our main focus needs to be to get back over a million and stay over a million. And that could have done it, you know. So we'll see when the numbers come out, man. But a lot of big moments last night. It was a pretty interesting show. I would agree. There was some. There was some good. There was some high moments. I have. I have some questionable. I have some questions for you on how they laid out the format and how mm. they seem to, yeah. uh, you know, um, make uh, almost one year of booking matches for MJF in thirty minutes. Uh, but we'll get there. There's a lot of us in the chat room here today. Welcome to the chat room, guys. Uh, this is not a repeat. 
Uh, this is not from three years old. This is a brand new episode yeah. of Light the Fuse, ladies and gentlemen. It may be a new multiverse, though, because I saw uh Mandela effect uh TikTok that uh, this girl put out yesterday that is not really in my wheelhouse because I was kind of beyond it, but I guess it's the new hot one. Um about Britney Spears. Did you see that one? So maybe we are in a new multiverse and MSG never left. And we're just <laughs> or or as Jerome in the chat room says AI MSG. Maybe I AI, AI MSG. Yeah, man. Um I can't, uh, I think it's the oops, I did it again video, uh, where she's got the red jumpsuit on and shit. Okay. And uh, now when you watch the video back, she, I guess this is famous for girls who like Britney Spears. I, I, you could have told me otherwise I never would have known, but there's a, like a headpiece microphone and a lot of girls, they showed pictures of throughout the years doing cosplay of that because it was so pop culture during their childhood. Like all the girls had the microphone. You go back and watch the video now and she doesn't have the microphone in the video. So, you know, there's a, it could be AIMSG. It could be a, a new multiverse. I mean, they keep turning this certain thing on, but in our case, this worked in our favor. Yeah, I'm looking at that video you just mentioned about the video, and someone is pointing it out about the microphone, And but there was a, a doll with the microphone. They sold it in stores and stuff like that as yeah, well. Yeah, and, and a bunch of girls for, like, Halloween costumes all had the mic, all of them, and now the video itself of that where she's dancing and it doesn't have the gimmick. That is a, uh, that is definitely <laughs> wow. kicking it off. Hot. You're like, he never left here. Uh, MSG, <laughs> I say that one for you, pal. Oh my goodness. Uh, well, you know, team titties and biceps. That's, that's what we're here yeah. for every week. Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> uh, well, I got a couple pieces of news here. I'm sure you covered a myriad amount of news on the uh, Friday locker room this week, but yeah, RBV back to what a great homecoming this week here at, M at HMG is man. Great homecoming. Well, I got a couple. First thing I want to talk about, because I thought it was interesting, and I think you'll have some perspective on this, is AEW's CJ Perry opened up about her WWE departure. Uh, I'm not going to go through the whole article. What I found interesting, though, is she talked about uh, going out to Hollywood. She said she dove into Hollywood, took several classes, and learned about the different facets of entertainment. As a result, she developed a new perspective on the way entertainment is financed and distributed. And she said, I think every talent should learn things like this it doesn't matter if you're an actor wrestler model because you really start to understand someone has to sponsor this like there has to be money and when you start to think like okay is someone basically going out on a limb to invest in me so everyone getting hired is like an investment to hopefully make money and a return so when you're looking at the professional landscape today ben do you feel like a lot of these younger guys coming up are looking at that aspect when building their brand and their business and learning that facet or is it, let's see what I can learn to get a reaction from the internet today? Um, I'm sorry. Could you tell me who, who quoted that again? Oh, that was a CJ Perry, AKA. CJ Perry. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's what getting signed young and, and thinking you're over and everybody paying you right away because you're young and beautiful and you don't, and I'm not just saying her, this is a tale as uh, old as developmental, uh, you know, goes where the cool kids club, some of them get it. Some of them were fans and they understand it. And uh, that can almost work against you when you're too smart. But uh, it's not till after you leave and you're outside of the bubble, which uh, Nia Jax just actually put over to see what's what, you know. And we've also seen the Iconics uh, when they left, go take improv classes. Like these are all things that should be incorporated at the grassroots level of developmental to create a, 
uh, a talent that's undeniable. And it's not until after they leave and like, well, I've got my name made and now I want to go out and, and keep up with the rest of the pack. You're not ready to hang with people who are leaving second city and improv Olympic. You're not, you're the groundlings. You're not even remotely close. Like sure. You might've been in front of the camera you know how to find hard cam and you've got show pretty face like Rita Hayworth or whatever. But like, <laughs> Uh, when it comes down to like being in the moment, knowing the game, the formless form and and all that stuff and, and how to make a scene real, they don't, you know, some naturally have it, but it takes reps and training like anything else and the investment. Yeah. Uh, if it's going to make it to TV, <laughs> they all want their money back. It really doesn't cost nearly what they make it cost, right. <laughs> you know, but that that's like, you could knock two zeros off the production cost, almost everything, but that's not where we're at, you know, in the landscape of the business. Yeah. And it's something that's, you know, interesting to me, right. As I navigate through the world of entertainment as well, uh, you know, having to, you know, avoid the pitfalls of scam artists, right. Or individuals sure. who are going to give you these classes or are going to give you these, uh, you know, opportunities or courses that or uh, you know, to get in front of somebody and work with these different individuals when the reality of it is they're just trying to take your money and they're not really going to help you at all. So sure. I, I mean, I feel like not just from a professional wrestling standpoint, from all entertainment facets, um, it seems like this is something that they need to like look in. It needs to be taught, as you as you explained, at a younger age or as you're getting into the business. Yeah, but even then, it's all the work, right? Like MJF's good because his parents did the same thing that mine did and invested in us to get us out of the house and do acting classes and summer stage and whatever the fuck, right? Right. But and so we got our 10,000 hours in a different way, they might not have, and now they have to do that work. But this is true of OVW, of any acting class, improv Olympics, Second City, uh, wherever out west, private actor studio. Yeah, you're gonna put yourself alongside the best, and you are getting worked, and you're gonna have to pay. When they say paying your dues, it actually means coughing up the money. So you can be alongside the people with the connections. If you don't go into that situation with like, what can they do for me? And how am I going to use them to get over? I tell my students this, we all got to work together, but at the end of the day, it's every man, woman for themselves. Right? So if you you're making that investment in yourself, but if you're just doing it to be like, huh, I went through their program and now I'm over. Eh, You're, you're kind of a sucker and you're inside the bubble. I was like that in comedy. And there's a lot of people in Chicago still like that, where if they would have broke out on their own and applied their craft, they would have been waiting for somebody else's approval to get onto a show to do whatever. Now that being said, some people just packed up and moved to LA and because they were teammates and you get, your foot in the door on a writing project or whatever that leads to an audition. And then because you are badass from Chicago or New York and you train there, you can walk into an HBO show and, and, and do a great job. My friend, Tim Baltz, uh, on, uh, righteous gemstones steals the show. Some episodes on that, bro. He's so not trying to, he's just that damn good and that damn polished. So it, it and he's not a guy who probably is going to use somebody, but he was ready to go. Now, you're going to walk out of WWE and try and compete with that. They'll be super nice and help you out and make you look good. They won't try and cut your throat, but it's, it's just the circles you run in, you know what I mean? To yeah. get to that, that opportunity. So, uh, but, but you should be taken away with it. Okay. Here's my chance to sharpen my swords and become a better monologist, a better actor, a better improviser, whatever it is, you know, you're trying to do next. 
All right. Well, I appreciate that in, inside information there. Moving on here, uh, Ben, AEW announces new pay-per-view event debuting on December the 30th. It's called At World's End, and it's going to be taking place in the Nassau Veterans Memorial Coliseum, Coliseum in Uniondale, New York. So everybody wants to know, Ben Hameen, are we starting a campaign to get Ben Hameen on that show? <laughs> At World's End to bring it down. At I was World's just, End, brother. You know, I was just talking uh, yesterday. We'll name drop some more here. Uh, Stevie Ray was having issues with StreamYard, so always glad to try and help him out. And you guys follow Stevie Ray TV. Absolutely just wonderful. But uh, StreamYard, they upgrade. They keep adding upgrades, which are nice. Uh, but sometimes it messes with the code, I guess. And he was having audio issues. I had it when I tried to call into cafe to Renee to help them out uh, during those update times. So uh, that's here and there. So I was talking to him yesterday, man. And it was really cool because he was saying he, he got to see some of the clips I've been putting out and how much uh, <laughs> he's down with Ben Hameen. And he didn't realize how far I take it. You know what I mean? Not like <laughs> I expect a legend, a uh, hall of famer, Stevie Ray to be looking at my shit, but they went out, he went on a little tear and it was cool, man, to, to get that and put it over. And I was like, dude, He's like, you know, they, that's just too hot for TV. I go, it is. But at the same time, the work can handle anything, my man. And I go, if you got MJF doing, uh, oh, botch. We got Jews in the house. And it's going down and they wanted to do an anti-Semitic. They started with the quarters thing, which I totally thought was good, you know, with juice Robinson. It looks like they've gone away from that after taking just a little heat. But then at the same time, MJF is coming out in the Von Eric's movie. So do you want to rock the boat unless the backers of that movie want you to rock the boat and be very Zionist and pro Israel? Like I would clear it, but why not check either way? But <laughs> there'd be no hotter thing than me to show up and everybody's really doing something and then really put it on MJF. And it's, way bigger than any belt storyline of triple B or fake rings or anything like that could ever be. And you'll get to pay off and for both sides because the free Palestine movement is mega and it's me and blaze right Haram bro are <laughs> ready to ready to go and not afraid to do that, put in that work. And then at the same time, you've got the long Island Jewish hero ready to jump to WWE and that's Ari Emanuel, <laughs> you know, like make him look good and make him look good in front of the tribe and the whole synagogue, bro, in the end. And you know who's going over at the end of the day in the real war, right? Like yeah. there's no, there's, you, you, unfortunately, you know who's going over already. The finish is booked. Like, <laughs> so, so why not play it out the same way? But you got to stick with it where the heels get heat and keep getting heat, and then the comeuppance comes of the, the chosen ones. So is there a way that you can utilize you being, you know, a, a coach, a trainer, uh, getting maybe some of your guys in? Is that maybe a way you can build that connection here with AEW moving forward? Um, I, I, I wouldn't want to put my guys out there yet, man. Okay. Some of them are, they're really good. And actually, um, one of my students, I'm really uh, hopeful in some political moves that, she might be able to make here soon and kind of come out of the, the, the woodwork out of nowhere and, and, and get an opportunity. If the stars align, that's, it's all how you work it. You know, you know that and the connections and I'm trying to help develop that side. My other student who's ready, 
is getting in up and we're actually bringing him into uh, the fold here pretty quick. So the, the rest of them are doing really good work in student shows and getting ready and, and getting reps in at, at immortal on the opening stuff. But uh, there's two of them here that, that could, could be seen now. Are they ready for AEW? That'd be throwing them way in the deep end, way too fast, way too soon, unless I was there to watch over them. So, um, but yeah, man, if you were to really get ready to shake up the headlines and <laughs> you're going to start doing things, what is it called? The end of days or whatever the fuck, right? Yeah. AEW end of world's end. Sorry. World's, world's end. end. Yeah. Maybe I could fly one of those fucking gimmicks in <laughs> the, the the gyrocopter fucking things uh yeah try, try and land it i mean another thought i had as well and this of course i mean, we need the homing army to you know start reaching out and tagging nwa and billy corgan is that you yeah. know let's let's get you into the nwa as well you know as yeah. especially if they're gonna start gonna go national now on the cw i mean that would be the perfect place for this quote unquote neutral you know news party if you will corporation because i worked for them where they yeah. try to be neutral to give you or your character that opportunity to have us you know a voice as well yeah and will will billy stand behind that when he has you know the wrecking ball Ligursky and jay bradley there as the fixers doing the ironic american things and the outrunners who've been ducking us as well so uh, everyone calls themselves the best tag team until they got to face the sons of Allah, you know. So me and Blaze Arama are ready for all that work all the time. It's just, are these bookers going to trust that we can carry it off? And are they going to be able to pull the trigger and withstand the heat when the first and second wave comes? And you just need to tell the audience, hang in there. The story's not over yet. But uh a lot of them just fold because the media pressure is too much, but you have to talk to your network beforehand and let them know the move you're about to make that it's going to get controversial and it's pro wrestling. So that's what it's there for because all the rest of it is you're going to see is the same B roll propaganda footage here. You get to pay it off in front of people. Well, army media army get to get, get to a call to action tag NWA Tag yeah, Billy man. Corgan. Let him know you want the Sons of Allah tag team there for the There's revitalization. That's right. There's plenty of teams out there ready to catch a beat down. There's no doubt about that. All right. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that's all the news I have been. If you do not have anything else, we can jump right into Dynamite. Oh, yeah, man. Absolutely. Uh, we can jump into it. Uh, I was, you know, excited because it's Philly and I knew they were going to have a pretty decent show. But um, yeah, I like, like the fuse, pal. Like that fuse. Yeah. Break my boobs. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's this week's October 24th, 5th, sorry, October 25th, 25th edition yeah. from Philadelphia. So interesting to know how they started off the show. I don't know if you follow Collision or watch that weekly, um, but every Saturday night to open up Collision, they'll usually do like some sort of Saturday nights, kind of like looking for a fight, old school WCW Saturday night night. A show where they have uh, the wrestlers, the baby faces, the heel cut a promo about tonight's events or what's going to happen. So they kind of did that um, tonight with MJF starting off the show backstage with Renee Paquette and then strong and the kingdom come in until MJF tells him off. And then he, I guess he pushes him away, kicks him off, right? He rolls away. Um, and then the show starts. So we kind of got this MJF package to hype the first match. I was okay with it. However, based on how this show lays out in total, I do question they put MJF 
the diamond Di- diamond battle roying ring whatever it is as the opening match when they made yeah. mjf a vital part of this show throughout the remainder of the show it feels like they could have threaded along more of his storyline throughout the show leading up to the main event versus putting in a tag match what do you think oh i think you're spot on with that man and uh i gotta say as every week goes by i'm a bigger uh supporter of juice robinson just a great technique in the ring great acting ability even overacting but not to the point of making uh it not as believable it's still melodramatic and he kind of pulls focus but it's where my i I want my focus to be honest with you and uh jay white was kind of i don't know it wasn't hitting for me on commentary you know it was it was distracting and uh the stupidity of uh the triple b even that part i don't really care for but at the end the guy's got your belt and you're at the top of the ramp why aren't you going to get your belt why aren't you going down there to get your property back especially if you've got your homies that came in to to save your ass scissor me daddy club and they're there and you could have kicked ass and got your belt back i I don't understand whether it's you know possession nine tenths of the law or whatever it's stupid to be like, oh, but I'm the champ because then they make a championship title match. He doesn't even have his own belt when they could have gone down there, whooped some fucking ass and taken his property back, you know, and and then made the match. So that whole match really meant nothing because right after that, we make an eight man with who's your partner going to be. We play that little game and he says no. And he says no. And you're like, okay, so now we're not saying yes and, and we're not furthering the scene. We're stopping the scene. You can feel the flow stop and then goes to the top. So so, so now we had a match and we make an eight-man match and we still don't know who his partner's going to be. Then goes to the top of the ramp and Kenny Omega comes out to challenge him for the belt that he doesn't have and they make another match on that. So not only do we have a match that was plenty and enough to, to end the scene, we do two more pieces of business on top of that to kick it off. And we got color in the opening match, which nobody's going to be able to top the rest of the show. The, this was the worst use of the guys who could have delivered the most for you because all those things I laid out could have been broken down into four separate segments right. and made sense threaded throughout the show, like you just said, Matt. Yeah, no, first off, I like what you just said about, uh, you know, Juice kind of overacting. I learned the term here is that in the last couple months, and I actually did it for the first time last night. Uh, Juice does do a little bit of actor masturbation, right, where he sure. definitely definitely tries to take over. It works for his scene, though. Um, I, I did it last night uh, a little bit when I was uh, doing cocaine, cocaine in my scene. Uh, yeah. So I did, I did, you know, if you're going to play it up. So I, I agree. I liked it. But um, the show opened up with that match. MJF wins the match uh, after interference from the Bullet Club. Does, kind of doesn't work. Gets the ring, does his little kangaroo kick pile driver off the apron, and he wins. And then as you, you laid out, yes, he's you know gets attacked by the Bullet Club gang. Acclaim comes out. Kingdom comes out. They're all vying for MJF's heart to be his tag team partner. Yeah. Right? All, you got six guys out there. Please pick me. And <laughs> It's like picking dodgeball in third grade. Like, that's what it felt like, right? Yeah. yeah. You know, from there, then he agrees that he's going to do a match. Then he leaves, and then Kenny Omega comes out. And now they're, they've been building this up at least the last two weeks with MJF constantly getting into Kenny's ear saying 19 days left, seven days, whatever, 12. Now we're at five. Why didn't we build this up weeks ahead if we were going to do MJF versus Kenny Omega on a Saturday night on game one night of the World Series and college football? So you're not billboarding yeah. 
any of this. You've just smashed all of these people. And now I, I give them credit that they're making at least the title important. Everybody wants that title, but you all can't rush them at the same time because it's an overload for the audience. I'm like, well, what's going on here? There's too much on my screen. Way too much, dude. Way too much. They, there should have been separate scenes where each of those teams vie to be his tag partner in there, and but he's he's distracted. And it's it's October 26. Kenny Omega's walking around with no shirt and jeans on. I'm going, what are we doing, man? Like, it just all looks super weird to me. And it was all smashed together and not how it could have been throughout, peppered throughout this show. Yeah, and Kenny Omega didn't do himself any favors using good golly gracious or whatever he said. I was yeah, the lion when he was talking incredible. to MJ. I was like, what? you got grown men holding a toy giraffe. They think they're funny with their facial hair. Like they pop up. See what I do with the mustache boys? Like this is how it is inside the bubble with the Cobra Kai crew, where they think like these little ironic mustaches are going to pop each other in the crowd and it's going to get them over. Like you're just like, okay. So you you weren't disappointed that you didn't get more adam cole making peanut butter and jelly sandwiches this yeah week? i mean that, that i don't i don't know who taught them the that that shit is funny and is over you know what i mean like their own little stepbrothers reenactment stuff like it's that's not working and the fact that you watch if they watch it on the show which i'm sure they do and they go yes <laughs> if they watch it if the, if yeah. they watch or if anybody's any you know just here it is okay hit play and then they just we'll see what we got you know i mean that's what it kind of feels like each week yeah. when it comes to those packages uh i'll give them credit the next thing was a wardlow vinian package now this was good you know we talked about resenting max for how he was treated by him for the whole year uh how he had to sit at home and watch him become the face of the company and says he's coming for max so i thought this was good um yeah, I like that they have like six or seven different people within their eyes on the belt, but it's the belt that he doesn't have. So if it was me, my eyes wouldn't be on Max. I'd go kill Jay White and fucking take the belt from him and let let him come to me. Yeah. You know, like, well, Jay White's that scary? Uh, no. <laughs> so so that that's an easy fucking take like i guess if he took it i'll take it too and you come you can come that's the easiest way to get a match is you have to come get it so here's the thing though and i thought wardlow did pretty decent in his delivery he doesn't get a lot of mic time and it's not easy to turn up the volume and reps wise i give him six or seven out of ten right like we definitely could have made it a little more real than it than it was but that's fine he, he did a good job However, I said the the two weeks before this, both scenes where he powerbombed the guy and then walked off, like he powerbombed him five times, and he seemed pissed when he left, like something had changed. Then the next week, Ryan Nemeth jump starts on him. He hits Nemeth with one powerbomb, and he's out, and then he's supposed to get an interview with Shivani, but they say, no, just brush past him and don't say anything. So now he's got even less TV time. This week, what's he got? just a 30 second blackout promo he's on tv he's getting to talk but he's not on tv he's not at tv it's it's interesting it could be i thought the use of it was fine but to see like oh your time got cut you're pissed you do this get over quick oh you're still pissed then you do one move and don't say shit now you don't even you're doing 30 seconds in a pre-tape and that's all man that, that's interesting in the wrestling paranoia of my mind however if they didn't want to push you they wouldn't put you on tv at all and he's gunning for matt or mjf so it's going to be uh he's at least going to get some match out of it or 
things will get thwarted. MJF will drop the belt and he'll never get his payoff. And that's a, that's a, like a wrestling rib. Like there's these, there's these uh, psycho scenarios that the mafia puts out there. Some may be true and some maybe not, but that's the healthy dose of paranoia. Well, following that, we had a tag match, Dark Order, Reynolds and Silver took on Hook and RVD. Fun match, just get Hook and RVD out there, get that tag team continuing to build momentum. Hook and RVD pick up the victory here. Uh, what do you think about uh, them tagging Hook and RVD moving forward when maybe there was potentially some other individuals on the roster that maybe who have, you know, gotten, you know, maybe a little bit more seasoned, if you will, that should be in that spot? Yeah, I think RVD should shine a bunch of people, but you're in Philly, and Taz was killing it on the mic, making me laugh my ass. Oh off. my gosh, dude, he was killing me with the Jones shit last night. Um, so, but you're in Philly, so you want to give him the ECW rub. I was hot at this fucking millennial phone culture because when Rob Van Dam comes out, you motherfuckers, you do respect walk <laughs> like maybe one in every 30 people in the crowd and i know tony is an ecw mega fan wanted that re and, and they didn't deliver on it philly philly flopped on that on rob van dam's entrance that was the whole reason for having him there was that visual and the crowd dropped the ball on that shit big time so i wouldn't doubt that that match might be an exact copy of like taz and rvd versus the pitbulls <laughs> like something very similar, but I did pop because there was some things in it that were soft, especially on breakups of false finishes with Rob Penn and somebody because uh, in comes silver and, and uh, other brother. And <laughs> they, the last thing you want to do is drop something heavy on Rob Van Dam. Like you're getting to live out your childhood fantasy of working Mr. Monday night. And now you got to break up a pin and the, like, they're like, tank like barely touching them like it's you know uh champagne glass so i've been there man i've been there working with legends and you're like oh please do not let me hurt this motherfucker in any way so there's a couple of those spots that made me laugh just because i could relate to that man but i was happy for those guys because that is a big moment to check off your you know like career of like all right dude i'm getting a tag with against rob van dam on tv that's pretty fucking over right there you know what i mean so good i thought the guys did a good job and it was fine so uh before we move to the next thing i just want to follow up on that we got 33 watching right now here on youtube but retro yeah. rocket review in the uh chat pointed something out he says that proves that ecw fans do not attend aew i disagree i okay. disagree i think it's just like they were scattered all over and they weren't ready to do it because this show, when you see the arena on the opposite side, where you see the pictures of edge and it's been empty, you won't, it was, it was pretty fill in there filled in Philly. That's a great wrestling town. I just think it's been so long that original hardcore psycho fans like me, like get hot about that, especially now as a promoter, because I feel like Tony was probably thinking the same thing. It's going to be sweet when they walk out and everyone goes, Spec <laughs> and like, there's one guy doing over there. One guy doing it over there. <laughs> not, not like the old days, bro. Like the, if it was Hammerstein ballroom, maybe you would have got it, but that's it. Yeah. All right. So next up we had the Tony storm silent film. This one was titled the Butler. And in this yeah. one, uh, we get the introduction of a new character. Now Luther, as he's got all the fa face paint off now, 
that she's sitting now in her dressing room at this point in time, talking with RJ's who's probably playing the role of it, you know, with the PA, the uh, talent handler, if you will, and advising her that these, uh, you know, got to get to set. And she has a conversation back with forth with Luther and then decides to leave. Uh, I found this one to be the best uh, as far as each. I agree. Yeah. Each one has gotten better. Um, and I feel like last week they were starting to get there. And this week I felt like they finally, someone is someone back there silently watching silent film movies and trying to understand. Finally. finally yeah, yeah. Right. Like, and I agree they've gotten better, but that's the problem. We should have started the start at this yeah. level. Like nothing yeah. should have gone out unless it was this level. And um, they're getting it because the cuts in a silent film are establishing shot, a two shot, then they talk and then you do a close-up on the face while they talk. Then you cut to the card. Then you come back. And even on smaller lines, like good evening, madam, where you can do that. You don't even have to cut to the, the Luther's Thank card, you. but you cut to him when he says his name. So the people know, but they know when he doffs the cap and says, thank you, madam. They're, so these are the high levels, <laughs> you know, like I was going to really say put, like one more yeah. thing that they're putting too much text. That was going to be my only complaint. So, so now yeah. if I'm getting to edit it, a critical eye, like that's it. Right. So yeah. there was only two other shots that should have been close ups, in my opinion, with a recut on there. Um, they did change because RJ city introduces the piece and then he's into it. And the, the suits a little more, bland but uh he could be even more period piece but he needs his brill cream in his hair he needs all that shit his hair needs to shine like he could take a bullet to the head and not fucking like you know pop hat would, or something yeah, yeah. something so really if we're talking about on a scale of 100 and i'm grading this as a you know professor i'm giving this a 93 out of 100 dude there was maybe one or two edits or cuts that could have been i really liked luther as a reinvented character in this uh, he had his nose ring in. I did not like that. That was a problem after taking everything off that one. It's these tiny little yeah. things, man, that, that, that I catch, but I was so happy to see him as a reinvented character in there. I thought it was great. Um, and there, we can have plenty more opportunity for other characters like that. And it sets the, the tone out. I, here's what I loved. We established a game and we're playing out the game aim is that tony storm does a weird take with fruit where she bites in through the uh banana peel and eats the banana and says it's delicious she she bites through the orange or the tangerine uh pith and eats it and puts it over delicious when will she get to a pineapple or something right. like that like so we're saying yes and to the game we found the game let's not drop the game now that we've established it and at the end like you can think like so the next thing to do is on the third one is to do it and it'll lock it down in rule of threes. And then for the fourth one, you do the whole scene and think they dropped it. And the last thing she does is pick up a, a, an even higher level piece of fruit and bite into it in a very strange and like manic way. You know what I mean? So the right. fruit is what the fruit bite you think they got all the way through. Oh, they didn't do the fruit. That's the edit on the fourth one. So Will they stick the landing on that? Well, I hope they listen to this. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I'm sure it's already in the can, to be honest with you. Um, and then here's the other, here's why I take off five points right off the top. Each one of these scenes should be a smaller piece of a whole, not what Next is piece. that. So you could put them all together and they'd all make sense. 
And so far from what I've seen, it doesn't. So right away, we're starting at a level where it's like, ah, we're missing the big, big picture here. Okay. Right. So they could start doing that now. If they're going to go through with it, then so be it. Um, I'll just jump ahead too, because I asked Josh and he said it was way over in, in the arena. But when she comes out at the end of the women's match and we cut to black and white and she's doing all this moving around and starlet type poses with the hairs done perfectly with the big role, the classic, uh, you know, look that she's going for and they've got it in black and white and they cut the Sheeta in color. I said, should Sheeta be in black and white there? I don't think so. She's not directly right within 10 feet of Tony Storm, which I believe if you are in 10 feet of Tony Storm, 20 maybe, you're instantly drawn into that. She's a little farther, so we get to do some Wizard of Oz kind of I was going to say, is, is there an opportunity in future now for them to take maybe that wide shot where you set the definition of this is Tony's universe and this is the other person's color That's universe interesting. and now we're going to come be in. Where you do the wide shot and it's half and half right at the ramp. Yeah. And then if she darted through, then then boom, you cut to the everything black and white. I agree with that, Matt. That's a great that's a great production style. Um, and, and it's really part of creating this world. You know what I mean? Like, why not? If we can do it, let's show it. Let's, let's really say what is the square perimeter around Tony storm that you are sucked into a right. silent silver movie or some shit like that. Right. So, yeah. um, uh, I think they did a good job with, uh, baby steps on that, but I asked Josh, go, was that over? Cause it played on TV extremely well. I really liked it. Uh, and and it was a good follow-up to the pre-tape shit because you're like how are you going to get this over in the arena well here's how you got to go out and commit to the bit and know that it's for tv and not for the live house but however i the live house ate it up even though you're sitting there watching it in color you know what i mean yeah. maybe it's up on the screen in black and white and you get to see it but um, I said, really, I got to give this an a, a, you know, not even an a minus. They did finally got it right. Just a couple small punch ups here. So can WWE, I'm sorry, AEW in this case, can Tony Storm take from, let's say the Matt Hardy universe from the Bray Wyatt universe, 100%. if you will. 100%. And instead of having matches in the arena, what if we have the, what if we make it look like old timey wrestling matches oh, that she's having, right? There, there's a whole fed with that where guys yeah. play old timey characters, right? Like, uh, I like, I love that, uh, genre, that micro genre to be able to do that and take it to that and be those Southpaw wrestling Matt Hardy alternate universe characters a hundred percent. And wouldn't it be funny to do all you then have to do is how about uh, the old school pie things, right? Where there's a thousand pies in the, in the fucking thing. <laughs> right, right, And we have that and we shoot it all and everybody and even Khan gets it and everybody gets, it, and we all get to have fun inside this universe. And then those big scenes that would be, a locker room scene where everybody's in black and white. Then we get to see each one of their characters established like that. You've seen these spinoff shows of, of whatever it is in the fucking comics world, right? Like, yeah, I want to know about that character's backstory and boom. And now that can set somebody else in a completely different direction in motion and give them tons of opportunity. But if we never dip our toe in and we have to commit to what our alternative, I don't care if it's Eddie Kingston is the milkman. You know what I mean? Like something along those right. lines, like 
you never know, bro. You really never he's, know. He's how the ice cream be. man. That would be great. Anything like yeah, that, yeah. dude. Like, uh, you know, or he's just the 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 New York bum. That's uh, you know the guy in his boxer shorts with the fucking stogie and the right. scratch himself. Like, it depends what every way they want to go, and that's the beauty of that character that opens up these fantasy worlds that allow us to do whatever. Where imagine this. Brawl, 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 a completely different segment out in the in the fucking arena. Eight, eight guys going at it. It all spills into the back into Tony Storm's world. And it, then it becomes the fucking pie fucking thing. Boom, 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 boom. They come back out and everybody's got whipped cream and shit on their face, but they're back in color and you get an actual fucking wrestling finish that way. That's Just to bad. show that when yeah. you are near her, you are in that, in that fucking world. And even, uh, yeah. even like you walk in and the guys are like, and then what the bleep, you know what I mean on there? Like or you do a what the fuck and go, holy cow. <laughs> you put it on the card, you know, yeah. of, of the young bucks saying that shit. Like that's the fun of playing to a high level and saying we control this world. Come along and ride with us on this fantastic voyage. Not we do bumps to break our necks for you guys out there. And the audience is already in that. You've already got the delete audience conditioned that they know it you know what i mean yeah. and if i was gonna do it i'd make a fucking joke off of the heat that matt hardy did then i would do a wartime picture where matt hardy is like a hitler character like the charlie chaplin bit right. and he's doing this shit and fucking whoever tony storm's bow is is the one they fight you know what i mean she's yeah. the fraulein all this shit is right there are you going to grab that fruit, pick it, and and put in the time production-wise to make something that's just not in arena wrestling, that's something that's going to last forever and be memorable where you can look back and go, yeah, we did lat tables, ladders, and chairs. But you know it was fun? We had the whole locker room in the fucking pie contest and how that shit came off. And it was all on a big set, and it looked great, you know? Like, those things are way more important, bro, to be honest with you, than any bump you'll ever take. No, I, I definitely agree. You know, I was having this conversation with a uh, shout out to uh, Dane Becker, director of Derby City Wrestling. We were talking about AEW and he, he made the notion. He was like, you know, AEW's got a lot of good characters and a lot of good wrestlers, but they're not doing a good job and making no. these characters interact um, with each other. Imagine if we had Herd World and Jungle Boy was right. after and we had a 90210 world at the same time, bro. Man. And if you established them both, and you had your own character that's established in the real AEW world. You walk into Tony Storm's world, you do a whole bit, walk out, they see you as your own self, and all of a sudden you walk into the next shot and you're in the 90210 90s oh, world, bro. It's so good. It's the people you walk by can influence who the fuck you are. It takes a ton of production, but if you condition the audience, you set up the game, you set up the production, and then you have these worlds spinning. I've mentioned this before, and this is like one of the first times I'll even be able to get close to it if they would do it another way. When you Venn diagram those spinning plates together that are believable in that sweet spot is where those fucking characters will do the most incredible work and crossover with just a look it, or the right line will be the catalyst for both worlds to then spin out to get what they needed out of the character in the middle. Does that make sense? Like yeah. Yeah, there'll be a pivot point yeah. of, of universes that are yeah. doing their own thing and they're eventually going to come close and then go back out again, bro. But they'll need each other at that one point. And that's, that's the beauty. And when you're in the, in 
you can make that happen through formats that are formless or, you know, just that we all agree upon as, as uh, improvisers. And, and you can drive it to that point to make them feel like that. But when the crowd's in on it, the feeling of here comes the moment and you fucking see it coming. Like you, you, I've seen crowds get literally on the edge of their seat. Like, no, that's not going to happen. And they're not going to tie that. And then you tie it together. They're like, fuck, they love it, dude. Like right. you, they're, we're all in on feeling drawn into that, that it's not a black hole. It's a, a group energy that we all share that moment. And then when poof, it explodes like a quasar of satisfaction, bro, you're just like, no, you're oh, right. That was I mean, fucking awesome, bro. And then it's gone forever. Yeah, no, I mean, most recently, I can't think of, you know, from a wrestling standpoint, but uh, a couple years ago, South Park brought back uh, the characters or they brought back something from like season four and they were building it up. And I went, I swear to God, if they don't do this, I swear to God. And then they did. And you're just like, oh, yeah, exactly. they did it. Yes, yeah. they did it. You know what exactly. I mean? Exactly. That's the payoff of you watching your whole life, investing, studying and becoming a master of even a cart, a satirical fart cartoon with little kids. that's still playing at the highest level, right? Like right. when you feel that, Oh fuck, it was all worth it, bro. <laughs> and we <laughs> missed that. We missed that so many times in wrestling. We could, because they don't know the improv trick, the Bruce Lee, Jake Kundo formless form, the Herald, the Armando Diaz, a bunch of different things that we can even invent forms to get us to that point. And, and they should, sometimes they stumble across it, but they really don't know how to drive it. Uh, yeah. RBV asks, are we allowed to do blackface in the Tony verse? I was thinking that. And so here's an interesting thing, right? Like what were characters that were either Indian guys, you'd either be like the Maharaja with the harem, or you'd be Alibaba and the 40 thieves. Right. Or if you were a black guy, you'd just be in the background as a waiter. So do that play into it. But then play to the guy's thing after they tip him or something like that, where you do an up close that's a 2023 version of like, can you believe me? They got me doing this black guy shit here. You know what I mean? Like put it over of like how fucked this is, you know, and, and whatnot. But then takes the dollar and puts it in his pocket or have you. But like there's takes where you can break the premise to get a wink, wink, nudge, nudge joke that I've been drawn in the 1940s where there's segregation, where there's all this other shit like that, or like, let the, let the white guy, you know, besmirch him. And as he walks by, he picks up the fucking fire poker. Like he's going to stab him in the fucking back <laughs> with it, you know, like, yeah. and then, and the other guy's like, no, just put it, put it back. The other guy from the acclaims like, no, just put it back down, bro. You know? So we can take shots at the ignorance of 1940s prejudices and bigotry in a, in a, in a, I wink kind of way. If we incorporate that into it by, can you believe I'm in this shit <laughs> and I, I got to go back and play whatever, or they play the, and the champ is here, the heavyweight boxing champion of the world. And you know, like of who it is like play, that's a, a higher stakes character, I guess. I mean, you could even like turn it. I mean, if we're going to just turn it into Tony's universe, you could turn it into where she's going back and changing things. So you go back and you find Kellogg's guy who was the racist. Don't masturbate. And she takes him out. Right. So you're still yeah. introducing those characters. But, you know, now she's flipping the script and taking out all these races. Right. <laughs> well, I, I don't mind that, but I, I don't want her to be woke. I want her to be as into it and as real as any okay. starlet into herself would have been you know i think we can do it by playing to those strengths but we can always 
snub our nose at like the ridiculousness of what we're actually doing here. So, you know. Well, speaking of ridiculousness, let's go to our next segment here. And I say ridiculousness because uh, this individual, apparently he just can't give up the, the starlight, that being Ric Flair. So Tony Schiavone mm-hmm. comes out. He brings out Sting and Darby. Uh, Sting starts talking about his career. Thanks, Darby. Thanks, Tony. Thanks, Tony Khan. Uh, and then this made me laugh. He goes, and now Tony is asking for the microphone. And then you just hear Excal- Excalibur and Taz just bust up laughing on commentary. I don't know why that made me laugh so hard just because of the fact that maybe because they're always ripping on each other when you're listening on the fight commercials or, you know, if you watch Botchamania, they point yeah. out all the, how they're bickering back and forth. That got me. Uh, but then uh, Tony announced surprise, brings out Ric Flair. Rick cuts a promo, puts over how much he loves Sting. Thanks, Tony, for inviting him. Then tells Sting he wants to ride with him on his wagon till he stops in March. Sting accepts. So it's kind of insinuated that Ric Flair is going to be appearing for the next six months with Sting. Um, before I get to the next segment, let me ask you this. Would it have been more beneficial rather than announcing Ric Flair is going to be there with now with Sting, let's say? Would it have been more beneficial for Tony to go out and bring more people back besides Ric Flair? Bring back other people that Sting have had interactions in his career maybe on a week or a monthly basis versus just bringing in Ric Flair himself. Yeah. I mean, he keeps putting over Lex Luger, but Lex has in, been in pretty yeah. rough shape the last couple of years. So it's tough to, you know, do that, but it's not like Lex doesn't deserve his, you know, uh, accreditation of, uh, and, and what he meant in Sting's career. It's just, you want to bring those guys out where Stinger looks like he can still go. Some of those guys don't, you know what I mean? Yeah. And Steiner's got too much heat on him. Um, and, uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's flair. It was a big pop and, uh, Rick was kind of all over the place trying to do whatever. And they're just doing nostalgia road here and, and whatnot, but it's also Philly, which Paul Heyman set the standard for doing surprises. So I totally get why you would keep it a surprise. I mean, even though I'm sure Stinger was in on it. Um, and then he has him chop him like a mark and <laughs> fucking bought me. Um, and then, uh, you know, Rick does his little lament and then says, I'm sticking with you. Cause uh, that's how long they signed me for pal. Woo. <laughs> and, they, and they do that. And then they step on that business, you know, and like guys are just standing there waiting, talking all that shit. And I'm just like, we missed the edit at the end of this. We should have gone out on a higher point here. Well, let's talk about the next part of that segment. Is now Christian Cage, Lucha Dino, that's what I wrote, and Nick Wayne come out. Uh, Cage cuts a promo, cuts a promo on Flair. Uh, says, the, "Yeah, but he didn't." Sorry, I gotta stop you. What didn't he do? Much like the fruit game, the Tony Storm fruit game, right? Tony Storm's established the fruit game. What has fucking Christian established? Well, Christian is established. He puts down people for not having a father. Because our father is dead. So what should he have done in this one? Should have put down Ric Flair's father being dead? No, not Ric oh. Flair's father. Oh, he should have put down David, his kid, or his Reed. Yeah, he you should want, have gone. You want he? Yeah, you're right. It's because your son's dead. Like, yeah, you're and, right. And, and everybody in the crowd who's a smart mark, which is 90% of them knew that, but nobody's going to want it just to do it. Well, oh. at least they didn't do it. They, they I thought he was going to do it, but he, he should have done it. I mean, maybe he, I mean, there's a possibility maybe he could have, right? I mean, because he, he did make the line that if he, you know, he said, 
he knows there's not a God because if there was a God, Ric Flair would be dead. That's so how he got around it. That's how yeah. he got around it. But that's not the, that's not the fucking stick right. in the landing. Is it? No, do you, what I'm asking is when we, when we do these things, we heighten and explore, we find the game and we heighten and explore. He found it on the first one, got heat, did it on the second one. He explored it, got even more heat. Now you like you established it. If you walk away from it, I felt less satisfied by the, what he did than if he would have gone because you would have been woof. And because that rule of threes, he would have put it right to it, bro. But, um, that's, they just didn't do it. They, and, it? Uh, there's reasons to not and where he went and like, we're going to numb, we're going to dumb down the script and he'll get it over. But that's the B minus answer. That's not the a plus choice, bro. Well, is it, I mean, do you feel, I mean, is there a possibility? I'm just asking, would Christian cage go to Rick, ask him if he could mention that about his kid. And Rick said that he's off limits. Don't bring Absol- him. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, you would never do that and go into business for yourself to, to do that. I don't think because that would fucking cause way more damage backstage when Rick got back there. You know what I mean? Like you, you have to clear all that, right? Have, you know, a hundred percent. So unless they have mega heat <laughs> from something, you know, in the last 20 years and he just wants to go in and be like, fuck this dude, because the fans can put over flair and his legacy till the end of days, which, you know, that's wrestling. But when you're in as high as the mafia as Christian and fucking Ajabedin, who knows what's going on where when Christian was a young boy, Flair treated him like shit or something like that. You know what I mean? And they never saw eye to eye. Like then you could go into biz for yourself there and be like, fuck this. I'm going to get my shit over. I established it. If I don't, I'm not being true to my character. Does it suck? Yeah, it sucks. Will I regret it later? Probably. But guess what? that's what the work calls for. My work is heavy and this is how heavy it needs to be right now. Well, right after that, he moved on to Darby, got some heat in Philly by shitting on the Phillies, uh, challenged Sting and Darby to a match at full gear, uh, with a six man tag, not with flair and cage then used a Dion Sanders line, hit my music before sting interrupted him and sting made a, a dad joke, which is fine. He made a sneezing reference about how he doesn't that suck too though, bro. Yeah. He missed it. What's the joke? So he goes, ah, chew, da, 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 da. sorry, I'm allergic. I'm allergic to jackasses. He says, right. Oh, the, the line is I'm allergic to bullshit. It, it, it just goes to show you like the dumbing down of like the, the WCW Southern Atlanta era. I chalk that shit up to like no New Yorker is missing the bullshit line. Jack, we're going to say jackass, but we can't say bullshit, dude. Stick the landing. You're sting. Like, get it over. That The line is the line. I can't argue that. Next, we had a sit-down interview. Things, with... like, that, things like that kill me, bro. Like, the, yeah. I know it's the smallest thing. I'm just like, ugh. ugh. And, then, and then he got, like, the pity chuckle right from the audience. Yeah, it's a like... pity chuckle because he missed the line. Yeah. And bullshit's no worse than jackass. So hit it. So just hit it. Your sting, come on! What are they gonna do? Yeah, dude, fucking. This is your fucking six month run. Yeah, you could you like shut up, you fucking cocksucker, and nobody's gonna bleep you out. (laughs) Like if you if you wanted to yell that out at him, like he's sting. Like ask for ask for forgiveness, not permission. You know, like ugh, jackass just made me cringe. It's things like that. I feel that's it's things like that that would have happened in 1988, 89 that made me want to go. 
WCW sucks. WWF is the best. <laughs> because they wouldn't have missed that. Like, to me, that's the Southern fried bullshit. I'm just like, ugh. Uh, next up, we had a sit-down interview with Renee and Jericho. Jericho reflected on the fact how he got dominated by powerhouse Hobbs. I like that they continue. They're pushing Hobbs here, and Jericho's putting him over. However, he does end the segment by saying that he's got some bigger friends and alludes to calling them. Now, I'm just combing over my mind, you know, who's on the AEW roster, who works for AEW. The only two people that I could think of right now that would be bigger than Powerhouse Hobbs would be like the Big Show and Mark Henry as they're affiliated with AEW. But other than that, I can't think of a free agent out there right now that would be bigger than Powerhouse Hobbs that Jericho knows. Yeah, no, I, I don't disagree with you there. Both those guys possible, but I don't think they're really capable of doing anything. To me, if you're looking on the roster, even though he alluded to it and you think it's somebody from the outside, and it might be, I don't know why they bring him in, but it might be, but Big Bill and um, maybe um, Murder Hawk. Okay. You know, yeah. some other, let's, if I'm Jericho, I'm going, who do we got and who's not over that we need to get over that have money on them? And Big Bill and Murder Hawk are absolutely fit that fucking bill as far as I'm concerned. Like, you know, so there's, um, there's a couple guys that in stature wise, maybe not a width of fucking Hobbs, but to me, I mean, Jericho did all right in this and, and slow played it. And I like his promo almost always and putting over that he's the master of reinvention. Totally agree. And can get anything over clicking a pen. He showed you that clicking a pen can get over more than any match can. Like, what else do you need from this guy, right? So yeah. I'm sure he's thinking, like, what's best for business and and we're not getting our money's worth out of these guys that are one-of-a-kind individuals, really. So he'll want to do business that way instead of bringing in more outside guys because I don't think there's, like, any gigantic Japanese dudes that he's going to bring over, right, or maybe Congo Kong, <laughs> you know, as far as that goes. But uh, I didn't mind this, but there really isn't much teeth on it because Hobbs's promo was so stupid uh, last week about when he was seven years old, how Jericho didn't say hi to his grandma in the beginning. I'm just like, bro, like, <laughs> the, just bad, just really bad. Like all the choices we could have as an inception incident, we go back to this guy who looks like fucking Lou Ferrigno, incredible Hulk era. And, 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 He's pissed because it's it's seven years old. He remembers Jericho didn't in in 1998. So that would have been Jericho with Ralphus uh, in, in WCW on Nitro, bro. Like, and I think he even puts it over. It was a WWE show, so it doesn't even line up timeline wise. He was the Millennium Man. So it, it's just like eh, I don't know, dude. That we could have had so many. Black versus white, young versus old, young lion wants to take out the lion heart, old lion, like all that kind of shit. You know what I mean? And uh, you didn't say hi to my grandma. Oh. <laughs> Jinder Mahal says Keith Lee dressed as Hobbs' mother. <laughs> that'd be that'd be awesome. Keith Lee just as Hobbs' mother, Bearcats for life. Right <laughs> you didn't say hi to my mama. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> dude, great <laughs> shit, great shit. Uh, shout out to Frank's Pickle Barrel ass in the chat room with the uh, super chat donations here throughout the show. You can drop your donations as well. Hit hit that like yeah, and subscribe man. button. Uh, follow us on Twitter, Hami Media Group. Join the Hami Media discussion group, Hami Media Group on Facebook. And uh, tweet out NWA and Billy Corgan. Let them know that you want the Sons of Allah to come 
and destroy yeah. Death Proof Dojo. Destroy Death Proof Dojo. We're coming for you, Silvio. Um, <laughs> Death Jitsu, Death Proof Dojo, MJF, all of them, man. But uh, thanks, Kevin Mario, for the super sticker. MSG's back, you guys. What a great surprise for today. And uh, I mean, we got some more show to go, but so proud of you, Matt, with all you've done to pursue acting. I mean, taking time off from uh, HMG and then really applying yourself to sharpen your swords and now to see it pay off and you're doing all kinds of different work, man. I, I'm really proud of you as always, dude. And uh, you've just uh, really been inspirational, I think, to a lot of people in the Hameen Media Group to follow your dreams. And uh, and it's a lifelong journey of being an yeah. artist, whether you were a professional musician to become a top producer and, and uh, you know, working for some of the biggest companies there are and, and, and the highest level equipment to then going, you know what, this might not be for me right now. I got some uh, creativity I still want to apply here. And it's not easy to walk away from those high level things to, to follow it. And but you did and and you trusted your heart. And now it's, it's still paying off even more. So super proud of you uh, all the way around, dude. Really, really great stuff. Well, I appreciate it, Ben. You know, I appreciate, you know, you've always, uh, you know, provided a good amount of guidance, you know, even to this day. So I, I appreciate that. And I appreciate, uh, you know, the listeners who have, uh, you know, made friends with me online who have always been or continue to be supportive. So I appreciate you guys, HMG Army. Even if, you you know, you like to give me shit here and every now, that's fine. That's what well, family that's what does do. here. That's what we do. That's what <laughs> we do. Absolutely. John well, Carnage also in the house. Uh, uh, great uh, supporter of HMG from early on, especially uh, with everything we do on Twitch with the watch-alongs, man. Uh, great innovator in the tech space, man, and always keep an eye on us, big brother-wise. But he says uh, he's got a great idea for a long-term story arc based off the world's deepest struggle. Will you be my friend? I've got a giraffe. Which is all of these fucking stupid little millennial level we all go to therapy together fucking watch me cry over spilled milk storylines as opposed to going what has echoed through the annals of time of stab your brother in the back fuck your neighbor's wife uh keep your hands off my sister uh power struggle uh any anything that you've wanted uh, you stole my cow uh you know back in the day like let's not do any of those why can't we be friends? Like be friends? the worst, John. I agree completely, bro. Just uh, abhorrent. Abhorrent. Well, next up, we had our next match here. It was an unannounced six or trios Ring of Honor Championship match. We've got the Hung Bucks, aka the Elite, taking on the Hardy Party. Matt, Jeff Ooh. Hardy, and Isaiah Cassidy. Um, I I wrote here the Young Bucks won. What did you think? Yeah, I mean, a uh, uh, Young Bucks match in the spot fest, uh, which it was, and dude, the, the kid Zay, is that his last name? Isaiah uh, Cassidy. Yeah. Isaiah Cassidy. Uh, dude, he took all the heat, and he took a lot of really good moves clean, man. Super athlete, that kid, no doubt, um, because Hardy's ain't taking that shit like that. Uh, and, I, and I don't know if it's laziness or just how beat up they are after all the insane spots they've done, but there's some things that I just don't like that are – I consider lazy wrestling, but it's Jeff's and his body's beat up. And really their fundamentals were never that like 
spot on because they'll kick with their left leg and we're only usually kick with the right, but Matt's hips fuck too. So whatever, like he, I'm not going to say Matt Hardy doesn't know character. If there's one thing he knows, it's fucking that right. Yeah. Cause he fucked himself up so bad. You got to do it. But Jeff does a snap mare on buddy and he doesn't even drop to a knee to mare him over. It's just like off the side. Like, can you just, is Jeff Hardy really that strong to grab anybody around their neck and just fucking whip them and they do a front flip bump. Things like that. Like to me are like, eh, if you can't use your body and bring them forward down to do it, then let's not do a, a bad one. Plus Jeff, there's one spot. They shoot him in the Jeff. Jeff fucking cuts him off with a knee to the back. I'm going, Jeff Hardy's the biggest baby face in this fucking match. Why is he doing need a back spot on, on somebody, dude? So Hardy boys turn heel. Not enough. Is that enough? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but then we finally get to this flip bump spot that goes into the buckshot lariat. That was pretty fucking cool, but they did a lot to get to that point until the finish comes. But um, yeah, man, I mean, this is dream booking and in Philly Hardy's versus young bucks. And even in a six man, including the rest of them, that's hot for the Philly crowd. So I was down yeah. with this match. Like I said, this is nitpicky shit. And who the fuck am I to talk shit about Hardy? Well, no, I mean, that, that's a good point. Out. More than me. So. I mean, I, I was, you know, kind of not like, I was like, why do we have this match? So that's a good call out for those who aren't thinking about it. They're in Philly. So they're showcasing it to the fans. So I, I mean, that, that makes this sense. This is Tony Khan's, you know, like, love you, Philly. Thank you for ECW. Let me feed you what I know ECW fans like. And I like this show because of that, to be honest with you. So following the match, this, this was Tony Khan trying to do WWE's version of ECW. <laughs> really? It was kind of dude. Uh, so. After the match, we cut to the AEW, AEW video board and swerve is at hangman's house. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, him with Prince Nana, why not swerve? Why not drive? Anyway, um, yeah. It, they cut a promo over the crib of Hangman's kids of uh, Hangman's kids crib. I liked the whole Blair Witch style of the camera picking it up, setting it up. I liked that they got out of the arena. Well, we, Hold on, but what we, really made yeah. me laugh was Hangman ran out of the arena. The show is in Philadelphia. He <laughs> lives in Virginia. Where are you going? Like, well, he's probably later, going to his cell phone to check on his wife. They here, didn't so. show that at all throughout the rest I of the know. night. I get, I get it. <laughs> I get it. We needed the follow up. You're not wrong. You're not wrong. You'd like to run out. He's just running down the highway. Yeah, no! <laughs> he ran the whole fucking way home from Philly to Virginia. Get in the car, um, talk to him or something on the way out or something. Yeah, I don't know. No, fucking a. Or he should have just gone. And the fucking horse comes out and he fucking jumps on it. He's fucking gone. Out of the that would have been horse. good at least. Like, He's off. <laughs> I was fucking, Yeah. What do you think um, of us, the Swerve uh, there? <laughs> so I like Swerve. Prince Nana needs to, a refresher of his character a little bit because he's still kind of got this, like, goofiness about him, and I think he can be a high-stakes character. I think he comes through the camera. It's just we're not getting what he's supposed to be, the puffy to the biggie smalls, and Diddy's about to have a lot of heat on him. So, like, how do we how do, we do something like that? Or, like I said before, like, fife dog and q-tip you know what i mean some some you know dre and ed lover i don't know what it what it should be a buddy picture thing but or you know abbott and costello really uh but swerve is great i think he's got you know immeasurable talent in ring and he can deliver it but this reminded me right away of bray wyatt is at the miz's house 
and we've got a camera in the crib and all this shit. We're not even showing the baby. We need to show the baby. And then what pops me even more because it was not a good choice. I mean, I, I'm, I hate the shit on Swerve because I like him. He's always been cool. But like he fucking pulls out his shirt to put on the baby. Like I always carry extra merch with me. <laughs> fucking, you know, like I'm so cool. I'm so scary. I'm so home invasion. And I, and I, and I want to show you that I'm doing a home invasion. So let me leave some merch on your baby that we're not going to show. Here's the other thing. All the cowboys. I know all the roughnecks, all the badasses from that. I grew up with <laughs> that would call themselves cowboy. Trust me at home. Cowgirl is there and cowgirl knows how to operate the shoddy, bro. You wouldn't be two black guys breaking into a house in West Virginia and not think you're about to get fucking drawn down on. Like that was the other part of that shit. I'm like, uh, <laughs> <laughs> like it wouldn't be like, Oh, the wife's here. Like you hear, what the fuck are you doing here? <laughs> <laughs> and right, rack it right. again you know what i mean like like cowgirl could have got over right here and any mama bear is going to protect her baby so i think we like to be honest with you if i was hangman page i would have just fucking gotten the phone out be like they're there and 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 be like it's your problem now you, you think i'm bad wait till you deal with her <laughs> she's fucking ready to go you know right so that they could have got over where they went in to go in there and do some slick shit, but they fucking could have been ducking buckshot rounds on the way out. Right. They're hanging out in West Virginia. The end of the scene. Maybe she's I like, wouldn't doubt if baby, if baby hangman has a gun in the crib. Like y'all <laughs> fellas are in the wrong part. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you ain't supposed to be around here, boy. <laughs> <laughs> that, that shit, right? Like, oof. <laughs> so uh, I, I think we, with that was like, waka waka too when we missed out on some stuff when he pulled out the shirt and threw it down i was like okay all right well then we went to another backstage interview with renee paquette she's with edge uh, edge is interrupted though by darby and sting sting tells edge to open his eyes get with it he understands traveling up the road with his best friend but he says, you know, Christian's a leech, puts him down. And then he made he says a weird line, which I get, you know, whatever. You're 64. And if you just say it with confidence and you're staying, you can say whatever you want. But he was like, we go way back. And I was like, really? Like, you guys have never been in the ring together, never wrestled once, never had a program. But you haven't established how you've gone way back or what the history of your relationship is. But you've you've gone way back. So Edge now needs to take what Sting has to say into consideration over the 40 plus year friendship, 50 plus year friendship he has with Christian. Yeah, well, that's just top guy shit, right. <laughs> right? Like, he's a Hall of Famer, I'm a Hall of Famer. We go way back. Go way back. Okay, yeah. okay, all right. <laughs> uh, we then go to uh, Sheeta versus Riho and for the AEW Women's Championship match. Sheeta retained, you mentioned, of course. Seeing Not Riho, it was uh, Ruby oh, Soho. Rio. Sorry, Ruby Soho. Whatever, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> uh, AEW Women's Championship, uh, Sheeta won. She keeps the belt. And then, as you pointed out at the top of the show, we then saw Tony Storm come out uh, and make her presence felt that she is now interested in the AEW Women's Championship once more. What did you think of the match? I mean, as far as uh, mechanically in the ring. Yeah, I mean, Ruby Soho is OVW, so I know she knows how to work. But a lot of times she gets roped into these fucking stupid it felt like it was two different you know. wrestlers wrestling each other. I don't know if you picked up on that. Like, because yes. uh, we were talking about this last night in acting, and 
my acting coach said, because I overacted, and she's like, well, Greg was level was down here, and your level was up here. You guys both weren't doing bad, but you're actors in a scene. You guys need to come to the same level, so that way there's uh, you know, an interaction, whereas I felt like she was wrestling one style and Ruby Soho was wrestling another. And when we pre-plan all of our match out and walk through it 50 times, and then our styles don't match up and our timing, where we just think we're waiting for the next spot and we get off a little bit, now you're mistimed on almost everything going forward until you have your next big double down spot where we both come back up, reset and do the next thing. So that happened twice of what you're saying there. It absolutely did in two different chapters of the match, I guess, if you want to classify it as that, right? Once during the shine and then once during her comeback before she got shut down, they got off point. And then the finish was kind of dumb with the spray paint and the belt and the we we're waiting on this stuff into a DQ only to get to the Tony Storm stuff, which really worked. And the crowd's only going to remember what happened at the end. That's the business. And now it's going forward to Tony Storm versus Sheeta. So really the Ruby Soho, all that was just a gloss over. Yeah, I mean, I, I thought the match wasn't bad. I mean, there was a little weird the way, you know, Ruby Soho tried to cheat kind of didn't make a little bit of sense. Like the ref. There was a just... really rough cross body where they were out of position and shit like that. There was a lot of like, eh, but... and I'm sorry, I watched Sheeta throw a kick and I was just like, that looks bad because I really yeah. I watched her throw the kick. But then I watched Soho duck and pull her in for a leg drag. And I went, that looked like somebody who knows how to wrestle. And Sheeta didn't like she looked like she was just throwing a kick like, but. I don't know. It just didn't look realistic. To they're me. not. They're, they're just ripping by stuff. So I would tell my students this when they want to do their matches of slow it down because everything in there is a chance to do creative. So throw the kick, catch it. Aha. Then you're going to go for the leg whip. That's the other person's chance to get their facial over before you give them the dragon screw. But if you just go catch, kick, dragon screw, we just lost three counts of character of the digestibility of the move, right? So these are the small things of in the back, they're just like, I'll kick you, grab this, give me dragon screw, duck one, come back through, lift you up, give this one, two, kick out, come back up through, duck one. Go like they're just so in their mind, that's what they're doing, as opposed to being in the moment of catch, haha, gotcha, bitch. No, you don't whoop. And then we get to see all those expressions. But if you're just thinking about this point, goes to that point, goes to that point, goes to that point, none of the character is figured in, and that's what you're seeing. Well, then we get the main event, uh, which was the Blackpool Combat Club. Oh, wait, there was one more thing I forgot. Uh, there was a backstage segment, um, which I thought this was the one of the better segments, but I really wish if we had put the main event of MJF versus Juice in the main and we had done this seg earlier in the night of Samoa Joe coming up and offering his help, then next week you could follow up after, let's say, MJF gets beat down by the Bullet Club at the end of the show. Yeah, you're 100% right on that. So anyway, Joe comes up. We saw Joe shake his hand before at the end of their feud. Yeah. Well, Joe comes up, offers himself to MJF. He says he'll consider it. And he says, uh, well, you know, you don't have to answer now. But the way things are going, I'm sure I'll hear from you soon. Uh, at this point, uh, we had, uh, if you're keeping track of the final belt count uh, was nine, I believe, as I tracked here, uh, going into the main event as Orange Cassidy brought out his you belt. Know Sorry, you know it would be a good choice if he's going to shit on all these guys and they're they actually are going to bring in somebody from the outside is Ryder and Hawkins. Hmm. That would you be know. good. Yeah. 
that's his trainers, right? That's Wrestle Pro or Creator Pro, and even Pat Bucks there and Kevin Matthews. You're right. Yeah. So uh, who's going to be a bigger name than the dudes you're turning down? It's got to be a surprise, and that'd be who my my guess would be. Well, at this point, I think he's probably going to tag with Joe to take on the Ass Boys, if you will. Um, at it's supposed to be four, here. though, right? It's supposed to be four. So well, there, Samoa, well, well, Samoa Joe and the Major Brothers. Well, well, there's the first match, which is the four, right? Then they have the Ass Boys, who ta- who challenged MJF for the ROH Tag Team Titles, which is going to take place on the same night that MJF defends the title he doesn't have against Jay White at full gear. But prior to that, MJF's also going to take on Kenny Omega in three days at Collision. So who knows? Jesus Christ, dude. I mean, MJF could lose the title this weekend, and it all unravels. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's all <laughs> ridiculous. Like, yeah, like let's set up later business and stooge off the early business yeah, that we're gonna do to unravel that shit, bro. Or it'll be a no finish because somebody the the fucking spooky face fucking Halloween mask douchebag will fucking come in out from under the ring and do something. And that was another thing. They only flashed that his I forgot that it was, you just brought it up at the beginning of the show. They flashed a devil graphic, but then didn't yeah. follow up on that at all throughout the night. It's just no. it's very very weird. All right, main event happens. Uh, there was 15 minutes left in the show. It was a tag team match. Brian Danielson and uh, Claudio taking on Orange Cassidy and Okada. Uh, winner of this match saw uh, Claudio and Brian Danielson defeat Okada and Cassidy after uh, several members of the locker room came out to see what was going on, and we got a fight between Hook and Yuta. Uh, Danielson, uh, Cassidy only pinned Cassidy after hitting a huge European uppercut. What would you think of this match and the way the show went off the air with this? Yeah, well, the way it went off was very scary to me. And talking to Josh this morning about it, he kind of concurred because and I haven't seen shit on the sheets about it. So I don't know what the Stooge report is or if they're keeping a tight lip on it. But at the very end, whatever was going on with Daniel Bryan, I thought he had a busted jaw. But then they got in closer, and I was like, is his eye hanging out of his skull? And then, then it looked like he was holding his orbital bone. So I don't know if he has a busted orbital bone. His eye popped out and he popped it back in, or he's got a broken jaw. But then he tries to get up. And you can see guys going, stay the fuck down. What's wrong with you? Like, like, so I think Daniel Bryan is seriously fucked up, possibly concussed or with broken skull um, based on how that was. Because that didn't make much sense to have him down on the cell in a major way like that. And the way guys were checking on him wasn't phony to me. Like there seemed to be a lot of fear and confusion right there. And then the guys in the ring, we were supposed to have a big standoff and bomb, bomb, bomb. But here's Brian Danielson who probably agented this main event and he's down fucked up bad, you know? So yeah. guys are kind of standing there like, well, do we fight dude? Yeah. Because it's supposed to be me and you Wheeler. Right. Da, da, da. But and the, even the way they pitch out was kind of like, and fans, it's the way Philly does it. <laughs> you know, you're like, okay. So I hope Brian Danielson's all right, that it wasn't his eye actually hanging out of his fucking skull. Um, but, dude, the match, I just can't believe how WWE can let a property like a fucking Cesaro go. Like, that guy is an absolute stud. And he gets it now with the big swing and all that shit of how it is. Sometimes I think he sells too much for guys who are way smaller than him. But that big ass European uppercut where he threw him in the fucking air 10 feet before he came down and ate it. Like the, he's just got Swiss watch timing for a Swiss Superman and, and uh, absolutely uh, a true wrestling specimen. And just because he might not have the charisma 
on the mic, like that just means we got to find a way to get him over in another way. That's, that's not a problem. We can do that 50 different ways. I just can't believe that this guy's always kind of like window dressing for somebody else's business. He should be the business. He's that fucking good, but seems like nobody ever wants to really put the the push on him. I remember when Cena was trying to help him get over and shit, right? Like if they're like, this guy's the one let's get him elevated. And that lasted like a month. So I like to watch his work. I think he's damn good. Um, and Orange Cassidy sold his ass off for him. And uh, I like the, the Orange Cassidy tried to do the little kick game, the slow kicks. And Cesaro just looked at him like, you fucking insulting me with this shit right now. And then he just stepped up and started wailing into him to like, you know, play his game out. But at the same time, the best acting we do is when we say nothing at all and do it with a look. And he did it with a look, and then it changed the tempo of the match in a gear shift right there. So I like that stuff. That's the conditioning of the audience that with one turn of the head, they understand it. That's pretty high-level play. Yeah, I I liked how the match started off, too, with Cassidy trying to put his hands in the pocket and Brian not even letting him do it as well. That'd be realistic. If you're Daniel Bryan, you're not going to sit there and let this fool mock you. You mock your sport, and you're supposed to be the greatest of all time. You're the GOAT. Yeah, you're not letting that happen in your ring. No. Uh, overall, I mean, the show concluded with that. You mentioned, of course, Daniel Bryan was holding his jaw right after that apparent injury. So I thought, uh, but then it seemed like I, I as well. So I don't know, man. And I don't know what he get, what he took. I, I, I didn't see anything where I was like, oh shit, he's fucked up. But like, he was just laying there. Well, I mean, that's it. The guys, I mean, that's your AEW dynamite, dynamite, uh, review. So there you go. Boom. It's over. <laughs> with MSG with the return of MSG. Not only do we have Rob Van Dam, Rick Flair showing up here, you guys. Edge Christian MS fucking G is back for the big Philly edition of Light the Fuse AEW Dynamite Review, man. Uh, future Academy Award winner uh and Jada Pinkett's young boy, soon to be. Uh my friends, <laughs> my friends sent me something interesting while we were um while we were doing the show, and he said that Lockhead, which is one of the biggest Lockheed, arm, yeah. Lockheed which is one of the biggest uh, arms dealers, right? Mm-hmm. He says there's been a sudden 10% bump. He says, I know from like an outpire perspective, the percentage gains look small, but when you think of investors having 1 million plus shares, that's buku bucks in one month. These are the biggest arms dealers in the world feeling yeah. all the conflict right now. I got to go drive by it right now as I go to my new dispensary space. <laughs> like Lockheed is, uh, bro, you build missiles, you got to shoot missiles, right? And it doesn't matter if it's Northrop Grumman, Lockheed, DARPA, whatever the fuck they, they you know, uh, <laughs> they're all going to have their uh, arsenals that they want to unload, dude. It's it's World War Three MSG. You know how it's going to go, man. Well, that's going to do it for me, ladies and gentlemen, MSG. Follow me on Twitter and on Instagram, Matthew underscore Schaffer. Here in the Arizona, Los Angeles, New Mexico, Las Vegas market, hit up my agent, Danny's Agency, if you're looking for an agent. Also, I also host a podcast called SMB, South Park Review. Check us out. All podcast outlets. We're just about to hit episode 200. We just dropped 198. Four years strong. Suck my balls. Ben, what do you got for us? Y'all, uh, man, uh, announced uh, November 18th uh, in Westmoreland, New York. Keith Slater coming to Immortal Championship Wrestling, and uh, I'm sure we'll have more business with the Nachi Mafia. 
Uh, and like MSG said, you want us in NWA? You want me to take out MSG? You know how to do it. Uh, head to Twitter because it seems like everybody, every wrestler and every wrestling owner is selling for anybody who asks them at this point. So, uh, but yeah, man, uh, really great day yesterday. Uh, sending uh, the, the cash my business partners did for the lease on our hopefully future dispensary and uh, getting paperwork wrapped up in the next 48 hours. I got a big business meeting tonight that I got to go to with the uh, office of cannabis management. So trying to make the dream come true by doing all the hard work, man. And nobody exemplifies that more than MSG. And I'm glad I can uh, hopefully set some type of model or tone uh, for anybody else to do the same thing, whatever you want to accomplish in life. You got to put in that work to get it done. Nothing's uh, going to be handed to you. The world meets nobody halfway. So, uh, but that's why you're here at channelattitude.com, huh? I mean, media group. So take it home and light your own fuse and blow up the spot here channelattitude.com yolla <laughs> we are in control now no 